Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport on day one of the US Open. Catherine Whitaker from Eurosport is alongside me, David Law. We are on the radio commentary gantry at the moment, looking down on the Arthur Ashe Stadium, whilst Maria Sharapova and Simona Halep are duking it out. Catherine Whitaker, and we thought we'd just come on before I'm going to wrap up the score after this hopefully with Simon Briggs uh, to review the day but we wanted to get a bit of a flavour of Catherine Whitaker's day because uh, she's I think into our hour number 15 at the moment so I'm going to send her home to go and get some rest before she gets the 7am bus in the morning but Catherine it's 4-3 first set at the moment between Sharapova and Halep and it's electric out there blimey. The problem we've got here is if it hadn't been for an hour of Shania Twain performing new material we'd have been able to to record the whole podcast after this Halepova Halep, Sharapova match uh, is completed. But as it is, we had uh, an hour. You, look, in theory, I love the opening ceremony. I love Phil Collins last year. But Shania Twain performed two new songs and... Uh, yeah, the stadium was not particularly joyful about that. But anyway... I think they also had a problem with the sound as well. I don't think that many people could hear it. You should have closed the roof. should have closed the roof. It's a weird, weird acoustic situation for music without the roof closed. And that's what, what worked so brilliantly about Phil Collins last year. Anyway, uh, the fact is we are... I, I mean, what, the first three games took 16 minutes or something? Halep Sharapova, it is... It's unbelievable. It's a 4-3, it's 35 minutes. It's redefining, duking it out. I mean, it's extraordinarily high-class tennis... Halep looks completely dialed in and uh, focused to me, which is a good sign. And uh, look, as you said, we're at four three at the moment. They've exchanged breaks twice already. It is so so. T- I mean, it's 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 just what Arthur Ashe night sessions were made for. Um, but but I, I my feeling is that Halep might almost benefit from losing the first set. If, she, if when she went down the break initially, I thought. Of course, that's good news for Sharapova, but Halep is not a good front runner. I'm not, I'm not sure losing the first set is actually that that bad a thing for her. So, um, oh, it's, it's it's a glorious sporting uh, um, visual spectacular. And what Sharapova is wearing, I'm not as you know, I don't like doing lots of analysis of what people are wearing, but it is black, sparkly, lacy 
pleather something. There are Swarovski crystals in it, apparently. To me, what she's saying is, I might be sort of the, the villain, the dark villain, but I'm still the star. She is. That's yeah, what I, yeah. That's uh, what I think that outfit says. Yeah, may, may, maybe there is a message in there. Well, it, it is quite interesting because you know, you've, I think you've described the the drama of of this occasion and the visual spectacular of it all very well there. And yet, I s- certainly feel it, somewhat. Shania Twain performing new material. No, that too, <laughs> uh, but but I I, I sort of. I find that the whole thing, as, as we've talked about for, for such a long time, given the, the doping suspension that she's served and the wild card that she's been given here, I feel pretty conflicted about the whole thing because yeah. I, don't, I don't think she should be here under a wild card. I think she should have had to qualify and hopefully be in here as, as a right out of that. But think, and, and there, there are colleagues of ours amongst the media that think that the, the fact that, that, that you can enjoy this spectacle and enjoy this match um, discounts you from being able to have any kind of negative opinion about Sharapova's being here and I just completely think that logically doesn't hold together. I can enjoy this match and enjoy the drama of it without, whilst also, you know, the situation is it is. It is. I'm not going to cut off my nose to spite my face and go, well, I'm blooming well not going to enjoy it then. Um, you know, the, I, I, can, I just think that is logical rubbish. Catherine Whitaker there, <laughs> who's had a long day, so do, do excuse her if she's a bit grumpy just at this point. Uh, but, uh, I mean, look, it's, um, it's been... As this match aside, and, and I'll, as I said, I'll, I'll bring you the result at the end of it. You'll have heard it, of course, anyway, but we'll try and review it at least and give you a flavour of what went on uh, at the end of the match when Catherine's uh, <laughs> tucked up in bed, I think. Um, but um, the day itself has, has been pretty significant isn't it because it's day one and from a british perspective that andy murray's not here and now johanna conter's not here pretty significant for people that work for british eurosport and bbc radio i would say yeah i mean look we 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 were all about joe conter weren't we after the announcement on saturday with no disrespect to norrie and bednay and edmund and watson and and all of that, but come on, you know, we were thinking, oh, it's okay, we still have a genuine title contender, and uh, yeah, well, we don't anymore, and uh, it, look, Karinic played really well, she played a very smart game, she really, really figured Conta out and played to all the weaknesses, but there was, uh, Conta completely crumbled there, she was 4-1 in the first set, double breakup. she almost lost that first set, somehow she managed to win it, she doesn't have a plan B. We know that about her, but but that was really exposed today. And I felt like she didn't have the, the mental strength to to believe in the plan A, to go, OK, uh, I'm missing a bit, but I'm just going to commit to plan A and hit through it and hit through my wobbles. It, she backed off a bit and and then tried to overpress at, at, at ill-advised times. And it was just... Uh, it, it was an uncomfortable watch for Joe Con today. You could feel, you could see the um, her facial muscles tense. And I stress. noticed that in the press conference actually afterwards. I mean, look, she just lost. She was really devastated. She was ashen faced in there. Uh, I had a quick interview with her. So did you? But but I thought she looked really drawn. And I do wonder. I know it's easy to draw this conclusion after a loss, but I do wonder whether the the, the pressure that one creates for oneself when you're up there when when there's a chance of uh, on paper of having a great run 
I wonder whether that can get to her. You know, she she's so sort of methodical that she does a, a really good job, I think, of going A to B and, and not apparently worrying about that and certainly talks a good game, but I do wonder whether that's the case. How could it not be the case? I mean, her work ethic, you wouldn't work that hard for something, the way she, the way she, she works like a dog for it, and you wouldn't work that hard for something unless you wanted it with every single fibre of your being. So of, uh, it's crushing. I think the reason, a part of the reason she plays down the pressure is because that, that, that part of the psychology that she works to, and I think part of it is that actually most of the pressure comes from herself. You know, she, she it's almost Milos Raonic-esque, that intensity, that being really hard on yourself, that, you know, it, she's almost saying, well, kind of all the pressure that you lot put on me pales in insignificance to what I put on myself and so I, 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 how could today not be completely crushing for her I don't think and I, and I find it hard to believe that pressure of one of, of one type or another wasn't a factor today mm, no I, I take the point also just a word on Alexandra Krunich what a performance from her she's so, tiny she's so small she's but, tiny. It, but it does remind me of, of the wins she had against Madison Keys and Petra Kvitova just like that I went out to the court three years ago stood on the baseline there's nothing of her at all and yet she was taking these bludgeoning blows from her opponents turning it back on them just with with timing uh, and and and, uh, and hand eye coordination there's something yelena ostapenko-esque as well about her expressionlessness about her sort of non-plusness on the court like yeah i'm just doing my thing i'm playing some tennis oh i've won great <laughs> very well said Catherine Whittaker right Catherine go and get that bus because remember what happened last time when we missed a bus last year if you weren't listening a year ago uh, Catherine and I had a massive row with a bus driver who wouldn't let her on the bus so I'm not going to try and risk that one again Catherine go and have a good uh, a good sleep uh, you'll be back at it tomorrow on Eurosport do you know what I'm going to go and do I'm going to listen to Five Live on the bus excellent idea excellent idea Catherine's off only, to do that only because uh, Eurosport isn't available to me alright yeah okay you got away <laughs> with that one Catherine's off to go to get the bus um, I will bring you details of what happens in Sharapova and Halop and review that a little bit a little bit later imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tie break or even the latest bit of aggro. 
And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. So Catherine Whittaker has gone to bed and Maria Sharapova has won. Simon Briggs from The Telegraph here with me. That was a stunning match, wasn't it? First and foremost, she did it in three sets. It was nearly three hours long. She won the first set 6-4 in an hour, then went 4-1 up in the second set. It looked all over, really, at that point. Halep managed to fight back. I thought that was pretty impressive. She won five games in a row to win the second set, forced a decider, but Sharabova was still there at the end. and That was really something. Yeah, I mean, it was like that... Uh match I think remember the Sharapova match against Bouchard earlier in the season where you, you, you watch her play and somehow the intensity is like a Grand Slam final I mean this was, this was a Grand Slam match the one with only a WTA match but it was a first rounder but obviously these two have played a Slam final before which was a three setter as I remember and a very tight match so the crowd was totally captivated it was a full house um, the hitting from Sharapova was immense she kind of went for the Ostapenko tactic didn't she 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 always hits big but tonight she just seemed to be determined not to let Halep grind her down so she was just going to go for and, and she she really played well didn't she some of those um, backhand winners backhand line winners so flat no, no, no spin on the ball the target area must be tiny over the net and yet she was nailing them with extraordinary regularity so yeah, I mean, Halep just seems to be, uh, while a fantastic competitor, she's quite good at getting on the wrong end of these dispiriting defeats. I wouldn't want to have to be her sports psychologist. Yeah, well, she has the sort of game that I think if she she's a brilliant player, but if she comes up against somebody who has real weapons and has a hot day, it, it, there's not an awful lot that Halep can do about it. As we you mentioned, Ostapenko, uh, Sharapova today, and I have to say... 24 hours ago, I better hold my hands up. I, I did not think Sharapova... I thought she had... I mean, I'm not saying she didn't have a chance, but I said on this show that she would not win this match, that Halep would... I thought it it, it was preposterous to me, the idea that, she, that Sharapova could come out after that much inactivity and that much physical discomfort that she's had in recent weeks and produce a performance like that I was completely wrong I, that, I was really bowled over actually by the level that Sharapova played tonight yeah I mean she's played one match since Rome I, I didn't see her winning at all because as I said before I, I go on you know people building match by match tournament by tournament that's why I always get Federer wrong because he's capable of just turning that on its head and, and, and coming up with something completely out of the blue and it was mind over matter for Sharapova really because she admitted I think in an ESPN interview I was watching just afterwards she went straight on um, onto the set of ESPN and she said that she hadn't been hitting the ball well in practice or feeling it very well she hadn't had much court time she'd been very frustrated because of the aches and strains that had kept her off the court 
So she was going in pretty much on a, on, a, on a low base of preparation. But she did seem to move well. She did seem to time it well. She thought it out well. Okay, she she hit 64 unforced errors, but when you're hitting 60 winners, that's um, an acceptable ratio. Anybody who saw that match at the end that doesn't know the history would have thought that Marie Sharapova just won the title. The way she reacted, she fell to her knees, she put her head in her hands, she was in tears, sobbing, looking at her box, the way that people do when they've just won Grand Slam titles. Now, obviously, that would be, I imagine, a build-up of frustration and, uh, and emotion at, at, at not having been able to play the game through her own fault. I don't think she should have been given a wild card into this tournament. I've said that on a number of occasions. However, I can understand from her perspective why she would, would have been emotional. But it was still somewhat surprising to me to see that because we, we don't see it very often from her. Yeah, Chris Everett was watching and said that she'd never seen her that emotional in 15 years of watching her. Uh, I don't quite remember her reaction when she won Wimbledon in, what, 04? Uh, yeah, uh, it, w- it was extremely emotional at the time, but there was something about this that, I mean, a bit melodramatic, maybe, but that's we're in America, uh, and, and they do like a bit of that in the uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium, and, uh, and it was interesting, actually. People did just lapped it up. I mean, again, I, I think we were... I was personally quite interested to see what sort of reaction she might get when she walked out, whether there might be anybody who would be sort of a bit nonplussed about this person who's failed the test coming back out. Not a bit of it. I mean, it was, it's at least from my vantage point, just 100% approval rating. There was a good line she gave Tom Rinaldi, the on-court interviewer, wasn't there? He said, what have you learned from tonight? And she said, behind these Swarovski crystals and little black dresses... This girl has a lot of grit and she's not going anywhere. That was a bit of a zinger, wasn't it? Well, yeah, she is the epitome of defiance, isn't she? She she likes to just stand up and say, all right, well, you know, I don't care what anybody says. I'm not going anywhere, as you say. It was it was a very interesting... Um, it was a very interesting evening. I don't, think, I don't really, really remember a first-round Grand Slam match like that anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's, the circumstances were pretty wild, weren't they? <laughs> when you put into the pot, the intrigue that went round, the fact that Halep was one of the first players to call her out and say she shouldn't have wild cards, the fact that Sharapova and Max Eisenbud went on the counter-attack, her Asian, that, that is, uh, the fact that uh, she hasn't been able to play for a, quite a while and she was invited to play here and she got that draw in the first round and it was a <laughs> it was a showstopper at the, at the at the draw ceremony wasn't there everyone just just kind of put their, their hands to their heads you could see it was going to be a massive collision uh, and then to come out and play like that I saw someone tweeting it was, it was like she was driving a, a car at 200 miles an hour and just managing to keep it on the road I don't know how she was taking those corners, but she she managed it. Simon and I are currently outside of the uh, the, the press room here. It, under the the floodlights is uh, are illuminating the sky. Otherwise, black up above. It's nearly midnight now. The noise you can hear in the background. I think they're they're hoovering up. They're hoovering all the little uh, 
uh, bits up off the uh, off the concourse area. Uh, they're, they're probably going to wash. The, in fact, they're washing the court at the moment, I think, as well. But yeah, there's a man on the court who's hoovering it, uh, making sure it's nice and clean for tomorrow. Uh, just just a quick word, Simon. We, we've we've taught uh, Catherine and I earlier in the podcast quite extensively about Johanna Conta, but we haven't mentioned uh, the wins for Kyle Edmund and Cameron Norrie, both of which were impressive. Yeah, Kyle played extremely well and uh, slightly odd. Um, press conference he gave afterwards uh, when he said that he'd been exhausted he'd had to give himself a can of coke as a pick-me-up at the beginning um, which I'm not sure is necessarily recommended by sports nutritionists is it to have it's a- what John McEnroe used to do back in the day you know but, yeah. but that was all sort of I, I'd need a sugar rush and a bit of caffeine yeah I'm not sure it's what, it's what they believe in now because you're supposed to have a big dip aren't you but he didn't have a dip at all he, he played high level he didn't have you know, too many of those wild forehands where he's looking for the instant kill and he hits it, you know, a couple of feet long. He didn't have too many of those. He managed the game well. Uh, so perhaps playing knackered is good for him. <laughs> he, seemed to, he seemed to almost be within himself in a, in a positive way. So he's got a difficult second round against Steve Johnson, but he did beat him last week um, in Winston-Salem, which is a tournament which left him feeling a bit weary. Uh, he got day off. Um, if he can reproduce that, there's no chance. Sorry, no, no, no doubt that he could go on. Um, and Cameron Norrie, well, again, um, an interesting draw. He had Tursunov, who is now 34, ranked about 640. So fantastic to, to, to pull him out of the hat. And Norrie dealt really well with a with tight first set tie break. Won at 9-7, I think. And then Tursunov really went away, just, just didn't fancy it from then on. Um, He's had physical problems, hasn't he? And he retired after two sets. So Norrie gets a, a chance to go further in this draw. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a nice player, uh, quite stylish, covers the court very well. No big power at the moment that I've seen from him. Um, and he's got, uh, I think, world number 19, Pablo Carreno Busta. So That's quite a tough draw. It's a tough draw. I mean, Norrie was very positive about it, saying, it, saying he's not a guy who's going to serve me off the court. You know, I'll be able to get my rhythm. And he could make life quite difficult for Karina Buster, but I think winning his um, maiden Grand Slam match is on its own enough of a reward, and he's going to be top 200 for the first time. I think he'll be, judging from the projected uh, ATP ranking site, he'll be sort of around about 188 maybe. After Pretty this, good. After this tournament. So. Pretty good, that. Heather Watson, more disappointment for her. She's lost seven first rounds in a row at the US Open now since winning the junior title here real shame for her but she lost to Elise Cornet at the moment we can't give you the result for Alexander Zverev it's going to go on well into the night it's way past Alexander Zverev's bedtime which might explain why he's 3-1 down in the first set against Darian King of uh, Barbados but uh, he's wearing the most bizarre outfit is, is Zverev I quite like this idea of a retro outfit but he's, he's like wearing Bjorn Borg's 1981 shirt uh, and he's wearing knee-high Bethany Mattox and socks and somehow, the, if you imagine the Borg being stretched on a rack, um, it's just slightly bizarre. It looks like it looks like you went to a tennis fairground and somebody had put some stilts on and dressed up as Beyond Borg. <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite good. Uh, Simon Briggs here from the Telegraph. That's what you get when you read your Telegraph. Uh, what are you going to get actually in your Telegraph uh, on Tuesday, Simon Briggs? What are people going to be reading? Well, unfortunately, a bit of a post-mortem on. On Johanna Conta, it's uh, been a grisly few days for the British number one tennis players, let's, let's be honest. And uh, been a very busy few days for us covering it. But the, uh, 
the tournament in that sense has been somewhat front-loaded with a lot of inquests, post-mortems and gloom. <laughs> um, and uh, it could be a little bit of a quiet week in terms of the home interest. Um, the quiet second week, sorry, I'm, I'm, I mean. Um, unless Kyle does something remarkable and, and can do even better than his fourth round here last year. Yeah, maybe maybe so. Well, Simon Briggs, lovely to have you with us on the Tennis Podcast, as always. Just to mark your cards, on Tuesday's order of play starts with Carolina Pliskova, the world number one in the women's game. She's first up against Magda Lynette of Poland. There's Naomi Osaka, good match this one. Uh, she's up against Angelique Kerber, the defending champion. Naomi Osaka has got a chance in that one, I think. Then it's Nadal against Dusan Lajevic, the world number one in the men's game. The evening session is Madison Keys on court against the Elise Mertens, and then Roger Federer against Francis Tiafo of the United States. So loads of good matches to look forward to. Nick Kyrgios is in action on the Louis Armstrong court. Grigor Dimitrov's on the grandstand. So there's loads of matches to look forward to on Tuesday's order of play. We will be back with another tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. Catherine Whitaker will be back with us as well tomorrow, and we'll speak to you then. 